Our scripture lesson for today, the second Sunday after Epiphany, comes from 1 Samuel chapter 3. I have listed verses 1 through 20. However, I'm going to cut it off and not actually read the entire portion. So what you may see if you have the, the bulletin file, I won't be reading all of that, but a portion of it. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli. And he said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the, both ears of anyone who hears it tingle. I'm going to stop there. The word of the Lord. People of God, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. Something happened earlier today as I was getting ready to begin preparing this video that sort of made me laugh and chuckle. As I mentioned at the beginning of, of the service or at the beginning of the video, today we're going to be celebrating Holy Communion here in a different way, in a new way, one that we have not done during the period of time that we have been doing these videos. And so as I was getting ready, as I was sort of getting all my various supplies ready, I opened up the closet where here in the church we keep all of our communion supplies. And I opened up the fridge to grab the wine so I could have a little bit of wine for my chalice that's sitting back here. And as I opened the fridge, I was, I was, I was humorously delighted to discover the little box where we normally keep the communion wafers, as well as the trays where we keep the individual cups of, of wine, were sitting there in the fridge, all prepared, just sitting there. And I got to thinking about what's going on here? Why are those in there? And I remembered back to about two months ago. Back last fall when we were still holding in-person worship, we were supposed to have communion this coming, that, that, that coming Sunday, when all of a sudden we discovered that I had been exposed to COVID. Now at that point I didn't have COVID yet, but I had an exposure. And so out of a safety of precaution, we made the call to go ahead and call off worship for that, that particular weekend. Now again, the trays and the host box, they were all there in the fridge ready for Sunday. 
And the plan was that at some point, since we had had to cancel, the, the, the individuals from the Altar Guild would come in and clean it up and kind of put everything away, and it would be fine. But the way things shook out, our, our one week off ended up lasting quite a bit longer just because of the situation, and everyone sort of forgot about it, me included. And so for that communion ware, for, for those trays of wine and for that little box of wafers, it had to go through the period where hurry up and get it ready, and then it sat and waited. It was ready to go, but nothing was happening. Now, of course, communion ware is not self-aware, it just sat there, but it had to wait. That idea of waiting, that idea of, of something being ready and then not coming to fulfillment, that is what brings me into our passage from today. Now, of course, this is from the Old Testament, the story of God's call upon Samuel when he was still a young boy. Now, to explain where this is at, I want to go through a little bit of the history for you. Samuel, this particular story probably would have been happening about 1,100 years before Jesus, roughly, give or take. We don't know exact dates, but we do know that later on in Samuel's life, he was present for the establishment of the kingdom of Israel, which would have happened about the year 1020 um, BC, before Jesus. So when he's a boy, and he's quite a bit younger than those events, it would have been about 1,100 years prior, maybe not quite that long. This period in Israel's history marks a transition. There has been stuff that has gone on before and sort of their cultural approach and sort of what's going to come after that. Samuel marks a transition. And it's a transition away from the period of the judges. Now, if you're familiar with the judges, or perhaps I should say if you're not familiar with the judges, they were a period of a few hundred years after the Israelites had come into the promised land a generation or so after Moses and the Exodus. They had, they had settled in the land. The 12 tribes of Israel were still very, very disjointed. They weren't really, uh, they, they were all one culture, but they were tribal. They were not united under a single leader. And what would happen is they intermingled and as they interacted with the different cultures that were around them, at, oftentimes they would kind of walk away from God and then God would remove favor from the people and then the surrounding cultures would come in and they would kind of take them over and they would rule over them and things wouldn't be good. And then all of a sudden the people would be like, oh, wh where's God on this? How come God isn't with us anymore? And they would pray to God for a while and then God would raise up a leader for them, usually sort of military-minded, kind of the, the, the army, they would be the leader of the army. And they would help throw off the shackles of the people who were controlling them or the cultures that were controlling them and, and would guide the people towards following God and, and, and would do so throughout the course of their life, the life of that individual, that judge they were called, and everything would be happy and joyful and wonderful, but then they died and gradually the cycle started to repeat itself. Over and over and over again for several hundred years this goes on, this period of history. Samuel is active right at the tail end of that time. And in fact, he's even considered and called a judge. He was the last judge at various points in his life. In addition to the judges, though, there were also individuals known as prophets. Now, a prophet is a person who is empowered with the voice of God or the, the message from God. They are a messenger empowered by God to bring this message, this word of the Lord to the people. Now, sometimes it was good news, news of hope. Sometimes it was news of rebuke. It all depended on what was going on and the message that God wanted to give. But at this point, 
when, when Samuel is still just a young boy who's been dedicated to God and is essentially growing up in this house of the Lord with the priest Eli, they're not related, but, but Samuel is living there because he's been dedicated by his family and he's ministering. The word of the Lord is rare. That's one of the first statements that we hear. The word of the Lord was rare. The prophets have been quiet. God has been quiet. Now, as we look back through history, there are periods of time when that seems to be the case. We can think about the Israelites in Egypt, clear back in the early stages of the book of Exodus, where for 400 years they cry out to God, and God seems to be silent until Moses finally comes along. Following this period of, of the prophets, that will also continue. Eli was, or excuse me, Samuel was a prophet, but then there are still more prophets. And we have many of the prophetic writings in the, the, in the portion of what we call the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible. But there's a period when they kind of get silent and there's like another 400 year gap between the last of the prophets and when, when we pick up with the New Testament. So that stage is there. Perhaps we even think about the fact that since Jesus' return to heaven uh, post-resurrection, maybe we could even think, well, boy, you know, we still think the presence of God is with us and, and the Holy Spirit is with us, but, but the word of God has been kind of silent. Like, how long has it been since the Bible was, was compiled into what it is? And, and we have the word of God through the Bible, but, 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 but does it change and is it different? And maybe we ask all those questions. Now, we might have different answers to those questions based on what's going on, but what I'm really drawn to is this idea that God seems to be quiet. The word of God is rare. Samuel has not yet experienced the presence of God. The word has not come to him yet. That's what we hear. But there's something else that's going on here, and he's not the only person here in this, this passage. We also hear about the priest Eli. Now, Eli's a priest. He's the one who should be hearing, we would think, right? He's the one who should be receiving the word of the Lord and giving it out to the people. But things aren't going so good. Eli's got a couple of sons who are also priests. And we, if we would have continued through the story, we hear that this word of God that comes to Samuel says that his sons are going to have issues, but not to worry because you will be like a spiritual son to him and the word of God will continue with you. But what we hear about Eli all history aside, we hear that his eyesight has grown dim so that he could not perceive. I'm really drawn to this idea. Now, the literal translation is just that. Basically, he's going blind, so he can't see very well. But it's more so the, the, the statement that he could not perceive what is happening. And I, I think maybe, just maybe, whatever was going on in this situation, maybe that is a larger issue than just, I can't see but that we cannot perceive what's going on around us. Think about the call of Samuel. Three times, Samuel, Samuel, and this little boy who was basically sleeping in front of the ark, the, the ark of God, the ark of the covenant, there, basically the equivalent of like sleeping right here in front of the altar. He hears his name and he gets up because he thinks it's Eli calling from the next room. And he runs up, yeah, yeah, here I am, what do you want? And he's like, I didn't call you, go back to bed. And then a second time, Samuel, Samuel, here I am. What, what do you want? I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And then a third time, Samuel, Samuel. And then finally, Eli perceives this is God. Maybe his eyes being dim is an indication that his perception of what was happening around him, even the voice of God, which seems to be rare, maybe they just weren't listening for it. 
as I think about all of this stuff going on, this, this passage, this idea, this, this sense of waiting that I talked about at the beginning, all of that, that seems to be kind of applicable for us right now. Now, this is a theme that we've sort of talked about at different times throughout the course of this ongoing pandemic. I know maybe I sound like a broken record, but this past year, 2020 and now even into the first couple of weeks of 2021 has been a year like no other. And it seems like it's been one thing after another, after another, after another, after another, after another. And I don't know about you, but there are plenty of times when I cry out almost just at the end of my wits, like, God, where are you on this? And it seems like God has been really, really quiet. But maybe, just maybe, it's because our perception to what God is up to is dim. There seems to be a tension that, that Samuel finds himself in. Now, I mentioned Samuel was a time of transition from this one period of Israel's history into the next period of Israel's history. In fact, as I mentioned, Samuel will uh, be the one who anoints the first and second king of the United Kingdom of Israel. He lives in a time of tension between these two periods and this time of tension when the word of the Lord doesn't seem to be present and then he brings the word of the Lord. Likewise, I think maybe it's safe to say that we find ourselves in a period of tension right now. Now, right now where we are is an interesting time. I mentioned at the beginning of the video, we're about to resume some in-person uh, activity here at the church. We're beginning to see some glimmers of hope in this whole COVID pandemic. Here in our little corner of the world, the, the numbers or the stats, they're improving dramatically from where they were a month or, or six weeks ago, and that's hopeful. We know that the vaccine is now becoming available and, and slowly it's trickling out and people are getting the vaccine and that's helpful. We know at least again, right here in our little corner of the world, a lot of people have had it and fortunately they've recovered and that sort of helps the whole situation as well in terms of, of the slowing down the, the spread, even though it happened because a lot of people had it. It's not good, but we're seeing these little glimmers of hope. We're going to resume in-person worship. Soon we'll be resuming in-person education. And yet we're also not out of the woods yet. There's all these things that are giving us a glimmer of hope. These things which, which I'll be perfectly honest and I'll be perfectly open and perfectly vulnerable with you. These things give me a lot of hope. They give me a sense of optimism and they give me a sense of joy to think about the good stuff that we're on the verge of now. But at the exact same time that I feel 100% joy and optimism about all that, I am also 100% scared to death and I feel a lot of dread about all these things too. Because we're not out of the woods yet. And even though it has had great effect on all of us here in our congregation, in our faith community. We have not lost anyone to this disease. And I'll be perfectly honest, I am terrified that these actions that we take, what if the wrong person doesn't know they're infected and infects other people and we lose someone? I'm not saying that will happen, but I'm scared of it. And I find myself living in that tension and wishing that the word of the Lord would come, come out plainly and just say, this is what you do. I don't know why God would talk like that, but I wish the word of the Lord was plain. But I wonder, 
Are our or are my senses dim so we're not hearing it or we're not seeing it? What are those things that maybe God is doing and we don't realize it, that when we do finally realize it or recognize it or it becomes plain, we'll make our ears tingle like he says to Samuel. What are those things that are happening? What are those things that are out there on the horizon? And maybe we're just beginning to catch a glimmer of what they could be. And they could be wonderful when all of this stuff is finally past us and we begin to move into the next step, the next period, whatever we want to call it, this post-COVID life or reality. I don't know what they will be, but they, the idea, it gives me hope. There's something that's happened a couple of times in the last couple of months. I've talked about it a little bit. This might sound familiar, but it happened again this week. This past week, I led a funeral for one of our congregational members. Now, it wasn't COVID-related, but it was just we had the funeral. It's actually the third one that we've had within our faith community in the last couple of months. And all three times, there was something about standing in front of the people who had gathered, mourning the pain of loss, recognizing the pain of loss, and yet proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming that word of God that says this is not the end. That promise that was made real through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus that lays a claim upon all of us. You are my beloved child. You are mine. And that is a promise. And that is a claim that nothing overcomes. Not hardship, not sickness, not disease, not any issue that might come up, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God made real in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and the love of God expressed through Jesus. That is the promise, and that's a promise that even overcomes death. And when we proclaim that, to stand before people and and, and say those words and to see it take root in them as they hear it and they find comfort in it, it's, it's good. It's somehow right. It's almost defiant in the face of all the stuff that's going on. This defiance that no matter what you throw at me, world, I'm still here. And you're still here. And even if death does come on the picture, the promise of God is that death doesn't beat that promise either. When we hear that word of God, does it make our ears tingle? Does it make us sit up and pay attention and realize that even as we live in the tension of this life, which let's face it, folks, this world is always full of tension. And even when COVID is no longer a reality, we'll have something else to be tense about. But the promises of God, the action of God through us as we proclaim that to one another is what will make all the world stand up and pay attention. It will make our ears tingle. It is a vision for joy, a vision of life, a vision of, of, of cl- the God's claim upon us that God has given to us through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the action of Jesus. That is good news in the face of everything. May we hold on to that. And may that give us peace in our soul. May it be well in our soul, which is the song we're about to share. Amen.